passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everyone. It's John Pollock and waiting live from the John Pollock. Well, I'm not going to say John Pollock and waiting. Just strictly the waiting studios here in beautiful Scarborough, Ontario. Yeah. 12, 13 in the morning. What's I thought you were going to give up my address. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> well, I was glad I checked last week because I had your address wrong and you had to correct me. Imagine getting a knock on the door at 12 a.m., from a man looking to record a wrestling podcast. Oh. Hey, wait a minute. Are you? Are you, are you John Pollock? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry, sorry, man. I'm so sorry what happened. To you. <laughs> so you told me that this you actually had an encounter on the street. Oh, this was this was awesome. I was out on Sunday with my my wife and child, and we went to uh, this breakfast spot on Queen Street, which I'm gonna highly recommend. It's called Swan. It's a great breakfast place. Have you ever been? No, I haven't. I passed it. Very good. So we go there on Sunday morning. It was a kind of late lunch and have our meal. It was very good. And then uh, we're going out. I've got the baby strapped to me. And then one of the the guys who works at the restaurant comes up to me and asks, are you John Pollock? I said, yes, I am. And he immediately was, uh, you know, just chatting with me. He was... Sorry to hear the news. I was like, it's all good, man. Thanks a lot. And it was Robert who has come over to Toronto from Dublin, Ireland. And I thought it was so cool to just run into him. I was like, man, this this thing's mainstream now. <laughs> if this is happening oh at Swan. Wow. I know. Once you made Swan. So a big thank you to Robert. The, yeah. uh, the all-day breakfast. Fantastic. Had some bacon with it. Now you're really trying to. You know to... what's the best, though? They have... Uh, I'm in this, like... Uh, hot mustard phase and this is the only place i know of that has like hot mustard on the on the table it's fantastic hmm goes with anything okay all right well on that note um how was your past week how's your week been like besides uh, uh doing the shows with me and stuff what's what's this week been like for you it's been uh one of the most eventful weeks of my entire life yeah. And uh, maybe in some ways one of the most exciting and one of the most stressful weeks in my entire life. Um, but, yeah, again, um, I think it's just uh, a lot of... Uh, what's an example of uh, something exciting and something stressful? Okay, well, what's exciting, I think, is looking ahead and looking, you know, thinking about what, uh, what my life is going to be like, you know, perhaps a year from now. Um stressful because what I would like my life to be like a year from now doesn't just happen. You know what I mean? It takes work and it Mm -hmm. takes decisions and often maybe difficult decisions. And, um, anyway, 
yeah, it's it's just a lot of that, and of course, kind of just dealing, wrapping up with with Anthem and and everything like that. That's, you know, all in all, it was very eventful, and maybe someday we'll we'll write a book about it. Yeah, yeah, we'll put that out. Uh, I've I've got to say this last week there were. I didn't know how this this week would feel afterwards. Like there was, I would say, what I wasn't expecting was how much different I felt this past week. It's, you do a schedule for so long where every single day I knew what I had to do and it was like every day I woke up and I knew all this stuff I had to do and it was all stuff I enjoyed, it was all the stuff I liked, but taking myself away from that schedule for one week and doing stuff with you, doing stuff with other people, I have spent more time on the phone in the last week than I have uh, in years for non-interviews, yeah. I guess. I love this last week. I'm not going to lie. I really... Um, How it, have you changed? I don't know, Wade, but it's just... I hear some people say you're more open now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely communicating more, Wade. I almost, right. I almost got... I had to use an Uber on Saturday, and I almost went with the Uber pool option. Just, just for the hell of it. We'll work up to that. We'll work we're, up to we're that. Baby steps. Yeah. Baby steps. But, um, man, I, I've got to say, like, I, too, uh, am like you. I am uh, very excited about of uh, a lot of different things. Yeah. And it was just uh, I, kind, I, of, kind of taking a step back to look at everything and realizing so much... I know this sounds so stupid for a guy that just f- followed wrestling and MMA for a living, but so much of my days were built around getting updates up on the site that took me hours. And just when I had free time, it was like this ongoing, the best analogy I can do is like, it was this advanced game of Tetris where whatever free time I had, I knew it was limited and it was just a time until X, Y, and Z had to be watched and notes had to be taken. And not to say, I think I was busier last week than oh, yeah. typical weeks. Mm-hmm. But it was all new stuff. It was things I have no clue about mm-hmm. at the in the morning that by the evening, I felt very, I was so well versed mm-hmm. in some of the things. Yeah. You and I have spoken on the phone more this week, way. <laughs> we, we never have these long conversations uh, yeah. off the air. I, I guess not. I mean, but I suppose... You know, now we have, oh, we're, we're, we both have like a common goal, you know, that we're striving towards. And uh, again, I would really like to thank anybody who's taken the time to reach out to either myself or John. And in particular, those who offered some just great advice about, you know, technical issues. Uh, There's people who have set out time just to like get on oh my Skype or the phone with us that... I can't pause. I think I've, I've, I thank them numerous times, yeah. but cannot fully convey it. There's, I knew that, okay, the, the first couple of days we were going to get a lot of comments and feedback from people and stuff like that. Like it's just, it's continued and it's like these lengthy messages that you read. And it's yeah. like, we, yeah. when you read about some people and just like, I mean, it's just, so many different stories and people that I heard from. I got one from a guy just last night and it's just like this lengthy thing that I was just amazed that someone sits down and wants to actually type all that for me. So 
I'm still in the midst of trying to get back to all these people. Way it's mm. my goal. Well, um, yeah. Uh, on that note, uh, we should probably try to get this uh, show on the road because the guy who actually is responsible for uh, uh, a lot of you know that we've been putting these podcasts up. Uh, what you know? What what I guess are now kind of being called the Renegade Reviews. We are putting these up during our transition to a website called archive.org, but uh, somebody who decided to create an app all on his own using his co- very computer-savvy skills, of which I'll ha- never have any knowledge of, um, he actually decided to put all these shows on a website, and you can go to that website, johnandway4.life. The number four. The number four dot life. John and Way W-A-I, the number four dot life. Uh... That gentleman, Robert, is actually waiting for us to finish this show. He's staying up. It's like it'll probably be like three, at least three a.m. before we even. I feel guilty. Because the coding is is relatively complicated. That you and I can't really upload the show ourselves. So he's volunteered to stay up. So I mean, it's like people, you know, not getting paid, like sacrificing like that for us. That is just really incredible. So everybody, thank him. And You're all gonna get free copies of the book i promise because that particular story it's like there, there's been dozens of like examples that I me know, and way have encountered like that so many people offering week. help that we can't even like really accept but like you know it, it, nonetheless every like so many people are just being so generous so thank you well we've got a lot to talk about um we're gonna go through raw we're also gonna go through the new japan power struggle card uh from this past weekend we're gonna chat about some big news coming out of that uh but quickly um do you want to say, did, did you see UFC 217? Yes. Okay. Do you want to chat about that later? Or do you um, want to skin the Raw? Let's chat later. Okay. So let's get into Raw. We know what everyone is sure. here for first. Uh, Manchester, England. So we were on a slight delay. And there was a lot of anger, Way, because the WWE promoted the fact that there was a title change on the show. They gave out spoilers for their own show. Really? They did. They just said title change? They sent out... I didn't see the exact message, but they sent it out, I guess, to people who have the app. Uh, and they were pushing the fact that there was title change to, I guess, entice people to watch Raw. Huh. Well, do you think it worked? Uh, we'll find out on Tuesday when the numbers come in. I know how you feel about spoilers. Do you think that... Are you upset by this? No. Do no, you think this was fair play? It happened. The people on the app should know about it. Um... It's weird that it comes from the company, but I mean, there was a strategy. They felt that by giving away the result, people are going to tune in. So, and they're probably not wrong. Mm. I I don't think it's actually a bad strategy, to be quite honest. Hmm. I think that there are still people that would maybe want to stick around and see this. And they had a big angle at the end of the show. So we'll get into all of that. At the start of the show, there was a scrolling message for the 26 victims of the attack in the uh, Sutherland Springs, uh, Texas attacks. And then we went into Raw itself with a recap of Braun Strowman's return last week, attacking the Miz Taraj. And that's how we start the show. Miz Taraj is in the ring, and Miz cuts a promo on Baron Corbin after he referred to Miz's unborn child. He says this isn't the Indies. He's a pitcher throwing 110 miles per hour, and Baron better be ready to step up to the plate. What have you thought thus far of how they have built up the... uh, the champion versus champion matches so far when you don't have the opposite side on each other's show. 
Miz and Corbin are relying on promos uh, such as this. Miz is a very good promo. Is and, it working though? And yeah, Baron's around too. <laughs> uh, I I just don't want to sound like a broken record, but like it, what's happening now is exactly what I was afraid of when they announced these interbrand matches. You're getting these very disjointed builds where you're only getting monologues and not even monologues being the focus of their actual shows. You know, it's here and also, you know, in Corbin's case, they're just little, like, there's just a few lines at the beginning of their actual program that's usually with somebody else on their actual brand. So what, how it comes across to me is, like, it doesn't feel like this is what The Miz is building towards. You know what I mean? It feels like he's almost pushing just a house show that's kind of a throwaway match that is is a champion versus champion match. So he continues to call Baron the bathroom break of SmackDown Live, and he's the whole show on Raw. Curtis Axel selling the effects of last week's attack with a neck brace. And then he introduces his guest, Kurt Angle, who comes out, and they replay Stephanie's threat, uh, threatening to fire Angle if they don't win at Survivor Series. Angle says he isn't going anywhere. Raw is the longest-running weekly episodic show in history if you didn't grow up in Portland or on Saturday Night Wrestling at 6.05. But other than that, sure. Um, SmackDown has had a good run for 18 years, he says, but it's the B-show. And then Miz replays the SmackDown Invasion attack. They also had Kane's attack on Daniel Bryan, and Miz accuses Kurt of being behind it all. And Angle vehemently denies this, says he has nothing but respect for Bryan. And he demands an apology from Angle for Curtis Axel's injury. So Angle gets all pissed, and Miz asks that if you weren't behind Strowman's attack last week, why did you add him to the Survivor Series team the next day? And Angle says he wanted Strowman on the team, and he's a great negotiator, and Strowman was able to convince him to make a match with Strowman versus The Miz for later tonight. So we set that in motion. Uh, I I think Kurt, he has definitely, over this last month, with this return to the ring and having an actual feud to be involved with and not just uh, hugging his son on camera, Angle's really, to me, gotten more... He's reinvigorated, I feel. Hmm. Where he had just been a guy on yeah, the show to me. Sure. And over this last month, I think he's really stepped up and become more of the performer I think people remember. And less of this kind of just random generic figure that I think he had become as the Raw General Manager. Right. It uh, feels he's got like, a purpose on the show. Yeah, it feels like his character now, and you can actually settle something with the character rather than just having another kind of generic figure. I thought The Miz was really good here. Again, leading these types of segments. I think he's the guy on Raw right now who's really called upon to do the most acting. And for that reason, I consider him pretty valuable. Can I have this water? That's for you. Oh, yeah. man, what a what a host. Yeah, of course. Uh, Elias and Jason Jordan was next for our guitar on a pole match. I'm actually very scared about dumping this water because if I fried this laptop... You're done. I'm done. I'm just going to retire. Elias is in the ring without the guitar because it's hung up on the pole. He says he feels naked without his baby as he points to the guitar. But it won't stop him from providing a song and asks, what do you guys want me to sing? And he says, do you want me to sing Wonderwall? I so wanted an Oasis cover here (laughs) from Elias. From Manchester. Yeah, in Manchester. And the crowd is cheering this. 
But then he says he wrote an original song, takes a shot at Noel, Noel Gallagher and says, Manchester, man, I despise this place. The children here are future losers and the parents a disgrace. And then he's interrupted by Jason Jordan. What did you think of his acapella version? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, terrible, so good. Perfect. Jordan interrupted. This crowd hated Jason Jordan on this show. Yeah. The, um, we had the guitar on a pole match. They went through a commercial break. Elias is the one that grabs the guitar, but this was not who grabs the guitar first. It's who uses the guitar on his opponent. Mm. So Jordan grabs the guitar, the guitar away and is booed for this. He chases Elias on the floor and gets stomped down. He comes back with a belly-to-belly, takes the guitar, breaks it over the back of Elias. So he wins the match, gets booed by the audience, as Booker calls him Daddy's Little Boy. Yeah, yeah. Booker continuing to throw shade at Jason Jordan. And um, (laughs) crowd actually booed Jason Jordan as he grabbed the guitar. And um, they loved Elias here. Um, I feel like Jordan is, or he's been ripe, I guess, for a a turn ever since he uh, joined Raw, but now he might even be overdue. I think you could go many different ways. At well, we'll get into um, his involvement in the Survivor Series after. Booker at one point also compared Jason Jordan to Eric Watts. Oh, really? Yeah. I missed that line. Yeah, and says how a lot of guys back in the back won't like that. That's great. Yeah. Angle is with Cesaro and Sheamus backstage, and they don't feel Angle's putting his best foot forward, and that Miz and Alexa Bliss had to defend their titles, but Rollins and Ambrose haven't had to defend their tag titles going into Survivor Series, accusing Angle of favoritism because of his alliance with the Shield recently. Angle tells them not to try and manipulate them, just ask for what you want, and they want to represent Raw as the tag champions, and Angle says, okay, sure, you can have a title match tonight. Yeah, I mean, I do like the mouth guard promos of Cesaro, but they don't seem to really get any reaction from the audience. And I think, I feel like they might be able to create reactions around it to make it more of a thing. You know, like when Kenny on South Park speaks, okay, he'll say something and you you don't know what he's saying, but the people listening to him will will react as if he said something really deep or outrageous, right? And I think... It's basically how the listener sells it that makes it effective. So maybe that's what they need to do with Cesaro. So you want him totally inaudible? Yeah, why not? He's he's almost there right now. Man, this could almost be a Braun gimmick because he's the one that does get killed every episode and comes oh, back from the dead. Right. Actually, it would be Enzo, wouldn't it? Or it could be Enzo, to be. too. Sure. Yeah. God, that's kind of a... Like, if you were to... Enzo looks like Kenny. Could be. If you put him in, like, a jacket. Hmm. Picture. I don't know. I've never seen. I don't know if I've seen Kenny without, without the hood. Well, picture Enzo with the hood then. Sure. It's striking. Okay. Oscar took on Stacy Coates, and Oscar lit her up with kicks to the chest, did this double underhook slam, and into the Oscar lock for the win in a minute eleven seconds. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the match? First. Match was fine. Right as I was typing, this is what they should be doing with Asuka, they then did something that I said they shouldn't do with Asuka. And she was added to the Women's Survivor Series team mm. because Alicia Fox said so in her captain's hat, and it made this as though she was making an announcement. 
Yes, yes. I think Asuka is doing a good job of being aggressive. You know, basically kind of playing the monster that I think they want her to play. I think everybody wants her to play. But the past two crowds, even for these jobber matches, even in Manchester, they're not taking to her as well as she was taken at a place like Full Sail. Uh, in fact, there was a let's go jobber chant in this one. And, you know, it worries me that she's getting reactions like these because I feel I, I worry that Vince will give up on her too easily based on these initial reactions. But I imagine that they'll give her quite the chance until her next major program, at least, you know. I think a lot of people have seen her potential in NXT and want to see it replicated at the main roster. Yeah, and her handling in the Survivor Series match is going to, I think, tip their hand to right. see do they really feel they have something special here and mm -hmm. she ends up being one of the survivors on the team or maybe the sole survivor. Or are they just going to find a creative way to eliminate her and that would tell me they're not mm -hmm. necessarily uh, going to the ends of the earth to protect this woman. Right. So we'll see. it. It's going to be interesting either way how she's handled. Charlie then interviews Titus and Apollo Crews, and they replayed Samoa Joe's attack on them from last week. They said they like to have fun, but last week wasn't fun. And Titus has his eyes set on Samoa Joe tonight, which was very funny because later on he was jumped from behind. Hmm. Where's Tazala? He has uh, gone off. I, I guess he... Didn't get sent off the on the, on the tour. He's uh, not on the tour. He hasn't been on. Uh, well, he's been on. He was on last week feuding with Drew Gulak. But it seems that yeah, a lot of the cruiserweights are not going to be around for this week's show. Then we had a SmackDown ad promoting Jinder Mahal and AJ for the title. This was great because this was obviously a change they made over the last couple of days. So we had the the in program ads promoting the title match. But then the Canadian spots were also in it for Sportsnet, plugging AJ versus Rusev, which was announced last week for the uh, the spot in the men's match. Oh, okay. So, well, hmm. Way Survivor Series. Our official theme song is Greatest Show on Earth by Kid Rock. Um, They really cool. love this fucking guy. It's been a while since we've had a Kid Rock not long enough would be my no? retort. What a what a shift from last year's Survivor Series in Toronto, which had the weekend. Yeah, wow, Kid Rock. I mean, he's in the news, right? He's relevant. He's going to run for president. Great, that's wonderful. Yeah, maybe the weekend will run for prime minister. Titus and Apollo come out, and they get jumped from behind by Joe, who applies the Coquina clutch and kills Titus. And that was it. That was all for Titus and Apollo for tonight. And he just storms to the ring. The whole crowd's chanting Joe. They love this guy. And yeah. He says, it doesn't matter if you're as big and powerful as Titus or as athletic as Cruz. If you stand in my way, I'll put you down and ask for anyone to prove him wrong. Great this reaction. Guy's awesome. Yeah, great reaction for Joe. His intensity is just awesome. And perhaps it's, you know, this is the, the type of booking that maybe they're seeking for for somebody like an Asuka, you know? Sudden, shocking, just almost... Ah, heelish, really. Something, some, somebody that really just kind of takes you by surprise. And Joe just does such a great job of it. It's a, it's the perfect push for him. Joe is in the ring, and the challenge is answered by Finn Balor. So we have this impromptu match. Uh, they got a lot of time here. Went through a commercial break. Uh, Joe is in control, and Balor just fights back with forearms. We had 
after the break, Joe landing a senton. Balor then comes back, misses a coup de gras, and runs into a urinagi coming out of the corner. Joe locks on the coquina clutch, and Balor is able to kick off the turnbuckle to break free. And Joe then rolls to the floor. Balor lands a Topekan hero. They fight on the floor. There's a huge hip toss to Balor onto the ramp, and the two are counted out. And Joe had this look on his face. He was just flabbergasted as though, what is this count out you speak of? And they continue to fight. Balor has to be stopped from his attack. Joe gets up. They continue to brawl. And Booker calls this passion. It's passion that these two men have. And the referee and the indie security separates them. Angles out too and says enough. And reminds us what the concept is behind the Survivor Series. And this is the kind of action he wants. Two guys that are going to eliminate one another. So he adds them to the team, along with Angle and Braun Strowman. And then to cap it off, Balor dives off the stage with a flying forearm to Joe. The dive looked awesome. Oh, this I really enjoyed this a lot. These guys yeah. worked super hard, and this was some great visuals in this. Mm-hmm. Great showing for both guys. I feel, um, you know, despite the non-finish, I think this was exactly what I, they needed I, I would have been upset if they beat... They, would have beaten either guy mm-hmm. here, which you can yeah. argue. Uh, I think that's had a point to it. I didn't feel cheapened by the double count out, and the oh, Balor yeah. loss to Kane is still puzzling to me. But yeah. it's you had a great match leading up to this non-finish, yep. and I think you know that's for a TV match. I can't really be upset at it. Uh, these two continue to have great chemistry, and they were told out out there to show your passion, and they did that. So after that segment, we went to The Miz back with Dallas and Axel, and Dallas says, Halloween's over. Monsters aren't real. What is real is their superior intellect and their bond. And they have a strength in numbers, which was kind of thrown out the window last week when all three were almost literally thrown out of a window. He says, Braun is just flesh and bone. Axel says, I've never been manhandled like last week. Braun isn't human, and they should just leave and run. But then Axel says, if Miz isn't afraid... Neither are they. And Miz is just pacing back and forth in fear of this match with Braun Strowman. Josh Reddick was shown of the Houston Astros with a WWE replica title from the parade last week. Apparently the uh, the World Series wrapped up. Heard it was a hell of a seven-game series. Seven games, I know. Yeah, did you watch any of it? No. No, I was... I'm was, a bandwagoner. Yeah, I just... Uh, I didn't have time. I didn't have time. Kurt Angle is on the phone, and he left a voicemail for Daniel Bryan. A voicemail. What do you think Daniel Bryan's voicemail sounds like? He doesn't sound like a voicemail kind of guy. Uh, so it, what, so he doesn't have voicemail? No, he obviously does, but he just doesn't strike me as the kind. Hi, this is Bryan and Bree. Leave a message. Like, I imagine him doing something cute like that, you know? I've always thought a, a really creative voicemail would be where you're right about to say the F word, but then it beeps. Oh, okay. Not bad. How would you leave do a it? voice message or else you can suck my beep <laughs> and then you leave a voicemail. Wouldn't that be clever? Well, somebody please save that and use it as yours. Well, yeah. What does yours sound like? You actually have to update yours, don't you? I did. You did. Wow, for the first time in how long? Let me, should Wait, I try it now? I didn't even, okay, fine. Okay, I'm going to call it. I didn't even know about my voicemail until you got it and told me I had to yeah, change it. Yeah, because you ID'd yourself as producer for... Waiting. Decline. 
Let's hear it. Oh, oh shit! I fucked up. I fucked oh. up. Okay. Yeah. Let's... It's gotta. It's gonna be on your phone, not mine. <laughs> I'm so dumb. <laughs> I thought it would be on your phone. Okay. We'll put it on speaker. One more time. One more time. Fine. Here we go. Oh my god. This is the time we have on our hands now, folks. Oh my god. It's John Pollock. Leave a message or a text message. It's 2017. <laughs> That's really good. Man, you're a genius. That's really good. I like your other one too, though. I, I don't even remember my... I probably set that the day I got this phone, which was at least five years ago. I meant the other one that you just gave. Oh, that one. Right now. Where were we? Daniel Bryan's voicemail. So, Jason Jordan walks in. He's been making good strides, Kurt says, even when he loses the matches. They're incredible. Needs someone he can trust at Survivor Series and chooses him as the final member of Team Raw. And Jordan hugs him. The highlight of this was the fan video of the live reaction to this as the entire arena booed Jason Jordan's addition to Team Raw. Hmm. Jordan hugs him. He's not going to let Dad down. And he acted like it was 1985 here with his reaction, and he was a babyface. And we cut to Booker, who says, that's a bad decision. <laughs> that kid isn't ready for something like that. So Jason Jordan is on the team, and we will discuss later uh, where everything will fit in here. But he joins Strowman, Kurt, Balor, and Joe. He's on representatives the team. Of Raw. He's on the team for now. I think he's going to be on the team. You think so? Because in the initial report for uh, the Survivor Series team that, that we read a few weeks back... It stated Roman being in... I think a lot has changed with Roman because I I feel it's been kind of guesswork as to when he'd be back based on... Well, we can just skip ahead here. I think we're getting the Shield reunion against the New Day. Ah, that's right. Because you're not going to have another opportunity to do that hmm. Shield reunion because the next one is the Rumble. Uh, you'd have to hold this off till February, hmm, potentially. No. So yeah, I right. think that they're just going to do the Shield reunion against the New Day. That makes sense. After tonight, it did. So then they have a graphic with the uh, the men's teams from both Raw and SmackDown. One mystery figure from SmackDown, which based on the cutout, looks to be Zack Ryder with the spiked hair. <laughs> the women's team, they have Fox, Asuka, and Jax with two remaining slots against Becky, Charlotte, Tamina, Naomi, and Carmella. Mike roams with Bailey and Sasha Banks, and Bailey says that Fox is different, but not different enough to not include them. Huh? Bailey says that they'll she'll only be handing out hugs of consolation after they beat Team SmackDown. And Sasha, to your point, tried to sell this really. The listener tried to sell this really <laughs> effectively as Bailey tried to talk crap here. Sasha says that Alicia better add them to the team. Bailey says that Alicia is blinded by the new toys, Nia Jackson, Oscar. And no one shines brighter than them on the big stage, which is the most debatable line ever uttered during a promo in 2017. No one shines brighter than Bailey the failure. Hmm. Failey. 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 That's been her wow. gimmick for 2017 on the big stage. Especially in her hometown. So Alicia and Nia took on Bailey and Sasha. The crowd immediately is singing for Bailey. Bailey should have been going and personally thanking every single fan that came to the Manchester Arena on Monday because they tried to lift this woman up to where she was two years ago. Mm -hmm. 
So Jax catches Sasha on the top rope with a crossbody. Banks then attempts a roll-up, gets stomped. The announcers bring up how Corey's a free agent. He doesn't have a team for Survivor Series. And they discuss SmackDown being perceived as the B team. And Booker says, well, it's always been that way. Which is a funny story because when Batista was drafted over to SmackDown, he did an interview in the UK, interesting location here, calling SmackDown the B team that he's just been drafted to. And this upset the entire SmackDown locker room. And it culminated with a commercial shoot for the SummerSlam ad. And it was Booker who, on behalf of the team, got into a fight with Batista and from all accounts was the victor that night. And it was all over a comment about being the B team. And all these years later, Booker's like, yeah, you know, common assumption of SmackDown, the the B show. After the break, they're beating down on Bailey. Fox kicks at her back. Then we get the hot tag to Sasha. Tilt to whirl, head scissors, double knees from the corner. Bailey's in with a sleeper to Jax, dumps her over to the top to the floor, and it ends with Fox going for a roll up. Banks is out, applies the bank statement, and Alicia instantly taps. And then Alicia gets on the mic and says that she needs them on her team and she wants them on her team. And Sasha nods her head over and over to advance this plot point. I think it was only Sasha. Oh, are we to believe Bailey was not part of this? Yeah, she was oh. not invited. Yeah. It was only Sasha that she considered. I guess worthy enough to join the team this week. Is there anyone left for her to pick? Uh, old Bailey and Mickey. I guess that's that's who she's got to pick from. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's it. I think. Uh, if, if you're looking at the rankings, I mean, Mickey would be ahead of her. I think. Hmm. Uh, I would say so. <laughs> yeah, it's such a an awkward way to have somebody add somebody else to their team. Like, Alicia is actually showing a lot of humility. You Maybe know. Bailey's just going to beat her next week and she'll add Bailey. I, I guess so, yeah. When you don't have so many people in the division anyway, you don't really have that much choice, right? Alexa's taken up. Like, really, only one person is not going to end up on this team. Yeah, this is like uh, <laughs> when you had to pick your team in baseball yeah, and who's you're gonna be down to, up? like, the two worst players. And it's like, all right, well, we can go with the 38-year-old or... Yeah. Bailey. Can we bring Emma back? That's what they <laughs> Can we just say. get a... Yeah. She's on her 90-day no-compete. Can we yeah. just uh, utilize her this Sunday? I mean, it's it's whatever. Like, I feel for this writing staff trying to write the weeks leading up to how this, these teams are formed. Because there's really, like... How do you really explain it, you know, realistically? I guess there's there's always a creative way to do it, but... Uh, it just seems like, to me, the pay-per-view is just a real handcuff for trying to bond all these people onto one team that are supposed to have animosity throughout the actual weeks leading up to the pay-per-view. Yeah, it's the uh, the teammates that can't all get along that we will... Uh... Well, it's one more week. The Miz and Braun Strowman was our, well, I guess in the new main event slot of... 10 o'clock, although we had a legitimate main event and a main event angle to close sure. the, the third hour. Miz is just trying to avoid Strowman at the beginning. Braun yelled, you didn't learn your lesson last week, punk, at Dallas and Axel. Braun takes out Dallas with a right hand, grabs Axel, tosses him into the barricade. He's dead. Michael Cole is losing his mind calling this. He is just so excited at Braun murdering guys. Mm-hmm. He got... 
tosses the Miztourage over the top rope, and then Kane's music plays. He moved at a snail's pace down the ramp. This guy is running for mayor, and he's taking time out. It's one thing to go to uh, Indianapolis, Green Bay. This mm-hmm. guy went to Manchester, England. Mm-hmm. To, for this? For this? Got into the ring. What was worth it was the two having a stare down and Braun saying, quote, you threw me in a garbage truck. You can't kill me. And they start fighting. The bell rings after 5.06. Braun stops a choke slam, lifts Kane and hits a running power slam. Kane sits up. The Miz Taraj attacks Strowman and it ends with Strowman power slamming the Miz. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if you're Kane, I don't know how many, how many more stories, high profile stories, at least you're going to get after this, especially if you're going to do the mayor thing. So if he becomes mayor, last tour, he has a whole another decade. Oh, you think so? He could be the GM. Uh, yeah, perhaps. Uh, I do think they're doing a very good job of building Braun as this baby face who's out for revenge. He's on a revenge story for people put him into a trash compactor. Uh, I also think they're doing a good job of keep, keeping Kane strong. But poor Miz, you know, the guy is kind of called upon to carry the entire show. He's got a program with a guy that he doesn't see. Uh, he won't see until the pay-per-view that he has to try to sell. And then at the end of it all, you just have the guy get laid out. So I imagine still it'll it'll all be served to kind of increase his aggressions towards Kurt Angle. Um, and, you know, when do you think that match will take place? Kurt and Miz? I definitely feel that's the one you go for. Maybe that's a, a Royal Rumble match. Mm. Yeah, Keeps them both out of the Rumble and mm. is something that you can build onto that show. That's mm. That, I think, would be I a mean, good... What would, what would you do at Mania for what? Kurt? Like, would you not save that for Mania? Does it have enough legs? It could if it's done effectively. I don't know. To me, it's not the match I would put Kurt Angle in for WrestleMania. You know, I'd want to see, like... A dream match, and I I would hardly say Kurt Angle versus The Miz is sort of a dream scenario, but it seems to be what the storyline is leading towards. Well, the the match they're teasing the hardest is Kurt and Daniel Bryan at the moment, and that's not happening. I don't know if they're teasing that the hardest. Well, they're definitely teasing it. It's we'll coming see. off. I mean, they're they're teasing the idea that he was behind the attack on Bryan. We'll have, Bryan's not answering his phone. We'll have to see how Daniel Bryan reacts to the voicemail. If he checks his voicemail, he might be a guy who just doesn't who lets that inbox get full. He's definitely one of those doesn't clean out his inbox kind of guys. Mm. After that, Renee is backstage and of course has to acknowledge what was just seen and confirms that Bron is a monster among men. Thank you. This segment was, this was the segment of Renee. She welcomes in Rollins and Ambrose, and Dean explains that they defend their titles from Tokyo to Texarkana, and they're going to finish business tonight, and then go out for some fish and chips and pints, which if you watch Table for Three, you realize Ambrose is a big chip guy. Like like potato? Potato chips. Oh, potato chips... Okay, so chips and... Different form of chips, I understand where they are. But this guy eats chips with everything. He will 
make he's one of those weird ass guys that makes sandwiches with like chips inside of it. That sounds good to me. Oh. When I was a kid I would always put uh french fries, the other chip in my McChickens. I would like I would like order a McChicken and then I would layer I would make a new layer with french fries starting from the smallest fry at the edge of the on top of the chicken. Did this was this time consuming? Um it's not time consuming when you're having fun, okay? This sounds like it's OCD not... in its infancy. <laughs> so it it was like I put the smallest fry at the edge and then as I go went to the center I would fill it with larger and larger fries until I get to the I guess the the midpoint, the longest point diameter of the the chicken patty. And then I would go backwards. So by the end, I'd have a full, perfect circle of a French fry layer on my McChicken sandwich. Well, you have to go back and watch Table for Three and listen to Dean Ambrose explain what he does involving Texas toast and eggs. Texas toast? What's Texas toast? Look it up. I'll do it later. All right. He's a weird dude. And if you want confirmation, go watch that Table for Three. Okay. I just... I. I don't need confirmation. <laughs> no, you don't. No. If you thought the podcast with Austin was weird, I mean, this one is this one wasn't as awkward as that podcast, but it's a real, it's a real look into the mind of Dean Ambrose. Serious question: Do you think any of that is hindering um, his placement in the company? Like, no. does Vince look at him and say, "This weirdo, he wants to be my champion." I definitely feel that plays into it. I definitely do. I think they don't. I think they look at him as this goofball, and not as they a were pushing him as such. You know, when he had the belt. Yeah, it was. This table for three was really eye opening because they're showing clips of Dean cutting promos right when the Shield debuted. He was a different person. Right. He was like yeah. a different person. He wasn't and, kind of this this weird. A uh, weirdo who puts eggs. In yeah, Texas and toast. he kind of alludes to the fact that when he always was planting seeds because he thought he'd be the heel at the end of it, and when they wanted him to be a babyface, he said he was kind of lost. Hmm. And it's funny to hear the three of them talk about their their run as the Shield, where the first year they're like, our promos were just awful. Like they talked about, you know, the backstage with I the know. camera. They're overly scripted. Yes. Yeah, they weren't a fan of it. Yeah. They just felt they were given nothing. Like, there was no nothing about their characters they knew about. They yeah. just repeated words about injustice. Well, they had no characters at that point. But they were over as fuck yeah. at that time. I would definitely not look at them, their promos or anything as a hindrance because they worked. They worked very well. Um, but anyway, it was an interesting show that I happened to catch over the last week. So, the promo continues. And Rollins says... That when they're done with Team Blue, they're going to be Team Black and Blue. And Purple and Yellow. And Purple and Yellow. Mm -hmm. They call Cesaro and Sheamus two of the most uncool dudes on the planet. They do bad interviews. They smell. No one wants them to win. And then Rollins cocks his fist and says, this has always been the bar. And they fisted. They walked off. And then Renee stuck her fist out. And that ended the segment. And she was like laughing. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 This is like a weird uh, comedy bit for Renee in her usually non-involved role in these segments. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, my assumption was that she she plays somebody... They don't really acknowledge that she's married to Dean, but, like, I think there are hints there for people who know. And I think she kind of is playing somebody who has a real crush, huge crush on Dean. Or what if it turns out she has the crush on Seth? That's what the feud needs. And this time it's, uh, yeah, Renee. Renee takes the chair. Who will she fist? Which one will she fist? We don't know. The many questions that come out of an episode of Raw. Enzo comes out for a segment that was quite something. He says he is grateful for those that chant his name around the world, that take photos of him, they sing for him. He tells the audience to shut up. He can't avoid the press and the cameras, and he can't avoid the question, what is next for the cruiserweight champion? Him him and I both. And he repeatedly tells the fans to shut up, and he goes on this rambling story about this little kid, and he acts out the questions of the little kid, and God, I'm not going to recap this. This was just, it was designed to be awful. Mm Mm-hmm. It was designed to just be this... It was so weird. It was like... Part of me appreciated the fact that this guy was... Trying to cut a good, bad promo. I don't know if it was good. Well... Good, good in in what? In the way that he... He was still delivering lines, but trying to deliver them well without them resonating and getting a babyface reaction. And, And just overall being obnoxious. He went like five minutes here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Corey's telling them to give him the hook. Booker's saying, shut this down. I'm sure they just let him go, too. Like He just went and went and went and went. And if you want the audience to hate this guy, and he's a great Uh, talker, they have found a way for the audience to hate this guy talking. If you want to, uh, you know, purposefully manufacture go-away X-Pac heat, he was very successful in doing so. That they did. Yeah. So then they are final. This was all designed to get a pop for Kalisto to finally interrupt him. It really didn't pop the audience that much. But Kurt Angle came out and announced Pete Dunne, the bruiserweight versus the cruiserweight. Before Kurt Angle came out. They played his music. They played Pete Dunne's music. Yes. So they gave away the pop. And then you had Kurt come out. Which kind of awkwardly stifled the reaction, and then, like at that point, there's no point in oh, could you imagine announcing if the, Pete Dunn. Pete Dunn's music played. Kurt comes out, and that was his son. If Pete Dunn was Kurt Angle's son, more plausible. Um, yeah, I guess so. Sure, he could still be his son. Kurt's been to the UK. How old is Pete Dunn? Pete Dunn, I want to say, is like 25, maybe. 25, so he was born... I'm guessing. 93? Let's guess this. How old do you think Pete Dunn is? I'm guessing 24. Pete Dunn, age. As we load this. 
He's 23. Wow. So he was born November 9th, 1993. 23. Well, it's almost his birthday coming up. In two days. Two more days. He's wow. going to be 24. Damn. Look Look at pop. All right. So Pete Dunne, his WWE Raw debut. His Raw debut with Kalisto seated at ringside. Yeah. This is very strange to have Pete Dunne, first of all, he's in this babyface position against Enzo. Enzo yells he's in his ring, and Dunne drops him with a forearm. The crowd's chanting bruiser weight. Enzo gets dropped on the edge of the apron, takes up the knee of Dunne, and is in control for a while, kicks him in the ribs, and then Enzo uses the ropes for leverage. Kalisto alerts the referee. Enzo calls him a snitch. Dunn nails him from behind and hits the bitter end to win in three minutes and 41 seconds. And Pete Dunn is the new cruiserweight champion. No, he's not. No, he's not. <laughs> this made no sense. Well, they've done this before. This, done, this to me reeked of, like, using a guy on the main show and having no idea of who this guy they, even is. They do it for the pop, you know? Maybe, I mean, they've done it with Charlotte before she made her real debut. They did it with Sami Zayn before she made her real debut. <laughs> At least done one. I mean, there's Adam. Yeah, that, that was what I was afraid of. I mean, afraid Charlotte of. with Natalia that time, right yeah. before the TakeOver show. Even Sami Zayn, yeah. you know? Like, I was afraid. I knew. I thought for sure they were going to have him en- in England. Enzo go over Pete Dunne. Yeah. In England. But uh, I'm glad to see Enzo lose. But does it? Does any of it really help? Like, it just further kills the, the legitimacy of that belt, you know, to have your champion. Maybe Dunn's going to be added to the match. I don't think so. I think he's gonna, just going to go right back to, to uh, I don't know, doing, doing indies. Can you imagine if they just put the title on the line and Enzo won the UK title here for the Manchester <laughs> fans? <laughs> Uh, and then on 205 Live he has a celebration in the UK on Tuesday night by the way 205 Live they announced will be an all UK it's going to be all the UK guys yeah awesome I might actually watch this week oh wow well that's a special occasion it's probably going to be an awesome crowd it's going to probably be the best crowd reaction for any 205 Live ever you think so because they'll still do it after Smackdown yeah but you have your guys in there I mean I, th- I think it's going to be better. I'm is, not going to say it's going to be we like... Don't, uh, we don't know the type of audiences. I, I, I will agree with you. But let's say even in Canada, they did like an all... Cana- like they had a bunch of Canadian indie guys stick around for following the end of SmackDown. I don't necessarily think you'll get a ton of people sticking. I think you're going to. I think the, the audience is going to be pretty into these guys. Right. Listen to how they were for Pete Dunne on this. You're going to have yeah, a whole hour of I this. So. I think they'll be into it. I think so too. Now we go to a video of Lesnar and Mahal. They announced Lesnar will be on Raw next week in Atlanta and Jinder taking on AJ Styles for the WWE title Tuesday night in Manchester. Charlie interviews Alexa Bliss, who calls Natalia an eccentric cat lady. Charlie then says that Alexa did run away when the SmackDown women showed up. And Alexa says she's going to run circles around Natalia, just like she did when she was on SmackDown, when Natalia was never champion. But she was a two-time champion there, a two-time champion on Raw. This all happened within the last year. And then asks Charlie, what is two plus two? She says four. She says, no, it's one. As in there is only one goddess. I guess this is to mean the two title reigns on each show equal one goddess. (laughs) 
who came somebody, up with this line? Somebody put uh, pen to paper and just, just kept writing free flow. And two then, plus two equals goddess. Yeah. Somehow ended up here. Sometimes you do that, right? You just like you draw a photo starting with a line. You don't know what's going to end up and you create an elephant or something. And I imagine that's how this promo was written. Main event. Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins against Cesaro and Sheamus for the Raw Tag Titles. Cesaro and Sheamus come out in Liverpool jerseys in Manchester. Got lots of heat. Rollins and Ambrose start off the match with dives to both on the floor. They go through the break. They get on the heat on Ambrose for a long time until the hot tag is made to Rollins, who comes in. Blockbuster to Cesaro. Suicide dive to Sheamus. Then misses with the springboard knee and does the pop-up into the uppercut by Cesaro, which looked awesome. Cesaro and Sheamus drive Ambrose into the apron. Sheamus hits a flying clothesline off the top as Cesaro hoists up Rollins in the air. Rollins gets up, super kicks both. There's a dirty deeds to Sheamus. And Rollins hits the frog splash off the top and Cesaro tackles Ambrose, breaking the fall. Crowd's going nuts for this match. When all of a sudden, the New Day's entrance begins and everyone's searching the crowd. When the New Day comes out through the audience and congratulates the crowd for staying awake during the B-Show. Angle is charging backstage with his muscle, Heath Slater and Rhino, to save the day. <laughs> they empty the law, the law, the raw locker room. Are you having withdrawal? No, that, that locker room was also emptied. Um, <laughs> the New Day says that the Raw roster did nothing after they attacked and threatens Under Siege Part 2. The whole locker room empties, the New Day leaves, and then Sheamus, just out of nowhere, brogue kicks Rollins and pins him. The match ends at 18.50, and we have new tag champions, Sheamus and Cesaro, who will now theoretically face the Usos at the pay-per-view, and I think we're getting the Shield and the New Day. I think that was the build-up for this, and you'll do Roman's return on TV next week. Makes a lot of sense. Also seems to suggest that it might have been a last-minute change, because they've already, it was. they've already made the promos for the Shield versus the Usos. It was a match I think a lot of people were looking forward to. I think uh, it was up in the air of whether Roman would be available for tonight's Raw. Mm. Wasn't, and I think they decided to... Yeah. I, and I don't even fault it. I mean, the Shield reunion means a lot on that show, and the New Day, that's a that's a great match. So I have no problem with this change. I feel like the Usos versus Rollins and Ambrose would have been uh, a more, maybe a better match than even the Shield versus the New Day. But um, Shield versus New Day is a more high-profile match. I do agree. I think and Usos with Cesaro and Sheamus, I think it'll be good. It'll be good. It's not it'll the same good. kind of uh, less star power. Yes, yeah. that it does, but but still... I mean having the Shield together, if you promote it as their first reunion, I I, I do think it's worthwhile doing that. Um, I think Ambrose and Rollins are just so much fun to watch together. They have these routines where they just like run in a bunch of different directions around the ring to create just a ton of motion, just kind of like pinball, like when you get a bunch of pinballs like. When you get the bonus and you get like a bunch of pinballs at once. So it's it's a style that they only work as baby faces in a tag team and I think it's just great. Um So what do you think of the 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 tease of their under siege invasion? Well, I guess next week we're getting the actual I think that you're gonna have On SmackDown. You, sh you should have I'm not even crazy about um, SmackDown guys showing up on Raw next week, but I think next week should really be it's the plan of the plan of attack, and 
maybe the the show ends with Roman appearing and he's going to lead everyone into war on Tuesday night and they're going to go ransack mm. SmackDown because I think Tuesday's show next week should feel should be Raw's revenge. Everybody's expecting it though. Expecting it to happen on SmackDown next Tuesday. So they have to kind of come up with a way that's somewhat actually surprising. Maybe Roman's return should be on SmackDown and not Raw. Oh, they've already announced it though. Have they announced Roman's return for next week? Yeah, they said the Shield will reunite next week. No, oh. Raw. Well, that's why I've got you for backup here. Yeah. Uh, that was Raw. I thought that it was wrestling wise. I thought it was a good show. There was a lot of good stuff on this Ballard show. Balor Joe was good. The main event with Shield and the Bar were good. Pete Dunne appearing was cool. Good crowd throughout. Uh, I, I thought, thought they were. I thought they were lacking a lot of spots, but I don't know. Like it happened last time in the UK too, right? Like where like you you would expect the UK crowd to be really hot, but I don't know if it was like this isn't like the uh, the crazy UK crowd no. that I think sometimes you associate with. But hey, I thought for a three hour show they seemed pretty into yeah. most of it. But to me, like I think they're doing a good job of pushing Braun versus Kane. Do we? That's probably not. <laughs> no one knows where that's going to happen though. Okay, that's probably just going to be on TV. Like Sorry, what? What is, Clash Champions is SmackDown. SmackDown. Okay. Well, maybe it's a TV match. I don't know. But I would say otherwise, like, to me, the awkwardness of the isolated builds for the interbrand matches are really starting to become more glaring, and they'll only become more so next week, unless you actually have those guys show up on the opposite shows. And I don't see at this point why you can't. You, why you can't do the same thing of, you know, what the New Day did this week, and just have uh, Baron Corbin show up in the, in the crowd to cut a promo or something like that. I do feel they've done a better job this year than last with the Raw versus SmackDown rivalry. Like, I think they've really gone out of their way to try and uh, get that more across as more legitimate this year. Uh, what this show is really lacking compared to last year is just that, that Goldberg return was just so big last year, and I think that was right. just such a great attraction you had for Survivor Series that, that this show... That was a show, whole year ago. That was Survivor Series. Wow. That was the Toronto show last year. Hmm. So, that was Raw. We have a lot more to talk about, so, as you can see on your download, this was a very late night for our pal, but thank you. Yeah. Robert. So, I'll quickly go through Power Struggle, and then Way and I are going to, uh, to struggle against sleep here. Um... So this was the card from Sunday in Osaka, Japan. And this was kind of the last, I'd say, major show before uh, Wrestle Kingdom. And there were a lot of angles on this show. Opened up with Katsuya Kitamura against David Finley. Finley was working with a right shoulder injury, which was all taped up. Uh, There's a big spear from Kitamura for a two count. It ended when Finley hit his stunner cutter finish, 533. And then Finley assisted Kitamura to the back. Uh, Just a... Fine opener. It was five and a half minutes. Nothing uh, too special. The Young Bucks then took on Teton and Dragon Lee. This was very good. The Young Bucks come out and Nick says into the camera, we're on the Brock Lesnar schedule. We only come in once a month. And then Kelly is putting over being the elite. And then Don Callis responds, yeah, and Stanford is selling the hell out of the Young Bucks. And Kelly just responds, what a bunch of marks. <laughs> Those WWE oh, guys, man. without saying WWE. Uh, Teton and Dragon Lee then do the suck it gesture at the Bucks to start the match. And the Bucks eventually did the double sharpshooter spot. Kevin Kelly calls it shameful. Shameful that more people from the past don't get the Bucks because we're witnessing greatness. 
Uh, an indie taker got stopped with Dragon Lee delivering a flying Hurricane Rana to Nick off of the apron to the floor. Matt then hit a flying DET to Lee on the apron, and it ended with Teton doing the Asai moonsault to everyone on the floor. This was just an incredible sequence. And Kevin Kelly had been teasing a new submission that the Bucks would be introducing, and Matt caught a moonsault. They delivered the indie taker to Teton and then applied the combination sharpshooter crossface simultaneously that is now known as the cease and desist the cease and desist and and why those two moves i guess Any because they're just reason? they're just it's they're getting you from both ends you're just forced to tap like they, they okay got you. that's good yeah i feel like like i feel like they could pick maybe two like more w i guess so it was WWE called the moves. cease and desist and then after the match they were saying seize and desist so i don't know what the official call of this is nonetheless imagine wwe could copyright cease and desist as a wrestling term Hmm. uh so anyway they tap out calla says the people of stanford are tapping out watching that went seven minutes and 20 seconds with the bucks getting the win so a very good tag match then a very quick one here with juice juice robinson kushida jushin liger tiger mask and hirai koato who is just my favorite guy in the world to watch right now against Zack Sabre Jr., Taichi, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, Desperado, and Takamichinoku. The heels went after the masks of Liger and Tiger Mask that they've been doing throughout the tour. Robinson's pulp friction is countered with the octopus by Zack Sabre Jr. He escaped, nailed a gut buster to Zack. Kushida goes for the hoverboard lock to Taka, but then Zack comes over, applies his own Kimura, which Kawato breaks with a missile drop kick and got a big pop. He's definitely breaking through amongst all the the young lions. He seems to be at the forefront. Uh, Kawato then did a Topekan hero to Zack Sabre Jr. On, and the ring gets cleared. Kushida's left with Taka and taps him out with the hoverboard lock at 4 minutes and 21 seconds. Then Cody and Yujiro and Chase Owens took on Satoshi Kojima, Hiroyoshi Tenzan, and Togi Makabe. Cody shakes hands with Tenzan, but then Tenzan won't kiss the ring. So the Bullet Club stomps Tenzan after jumping him. Cody hit a disaster kick to stop uh, Makabe on offense. Owens is able to take out Makabe with an insiguri and then is doing Makabe's own uh, double finger and yelling, fuck you, Adam, as a way to mock him. Does the same for the cozy lariat where he's calling for it, and instead Kojima just murders him with his own lariat and pinned Owens in 8 minutes and 11 seconds. But after the match, Cody started yelling at Kevin Kelly about all these women in their corner being a distraction and Callus volunteers to be a handler for the women that Yujiro has been bringing to the ring. Then we moved on to the finals of the Super Junior Tag League with uh, Sho and Yo, Rapongi 3K, taking on Ryusuke Taguchi and ACH, which has been the new team after Ricochet looks to be done. And this was a match that, first of all, Rocky Romero came out dressed like a Ghostbuster, shooting out this dry ice with a air pack, with an oxygen tank, this was okay. the most incredible setup for a manager I've seen. Hmm. This outfit he had. Um, ACH had his ribs all taped up, and Sho and Yo did such a phenomenal job of just attacking his body, keeping him grounded. Um, these two are tremendous. They've been in Ring of Honor for the last year, and I didn't think they were used all that well as the Tempura boys. But since they've come back, I mean, they're just they're tremendous. Um, they attack his ribs. They're stomping them. 
They would apply a hammer lock and drive his ribs into the turnbuckle, just cutting off the ring and doing a lot of simple stuff, but it was very good. ACH finally tags Taguchi, who's hitting hip attacks to both, Topicon Hero to show, and then a springboard hip attack to him as well. Then ACH fires up and he yells, Super Cyan, as he runs at Yo with a discus lariat into the corner. Did I pronounce that right? Um, Cyan? Saiyan? How do you pronounce it? Saiyan. Saiyan. Is typically how it's said. Sorry, I'm just saying. It's okay. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. Sho and Yo then double team. They set up for their finish. Taguchi ran interference. There's a Bomaye by Taguchi to Yo and then a Dodon. ACH goes to the top, tears off his rib tape, and hits the Midnight Star, which is a shooting star press. Tanaka breaks up the cover. The Super 69 of Taguchi's was blocked, and then a Shiranui was hit to Taguchi. Rolling Germans by Tanaka to Taguchi. And finally, they hit the 3K on Taguchi, which is kind of like a 3D, but an, an inverted version. And then ACH blocks the same move, hit a backcracker to ACH, running drop kick, and they finished the 3K, pinning ACH 1553. This was a fantastic tag match, I thought, involving all four. And uh, Taguchi was great in this match, but Sho Tanaka and Yohei Kamatsu have been. Uh, incredible, I think, since they've been brought back over the last month. Then we uh, moved on to Kazuchika Okada, Hiroki Goto, Yoshihashi, and Tomohiro Ishii against Engato, taking on Tetsuya Naito, Evil Sonata, Hiromu Takahashi, and Bushi. And we pretty much had Okada and Naito peel off together as they are the Tokyo Dome main event. And the crowd just hated Naito throughout this match. Okada and them went out to the ramp and... Naito repeatedly slammed Okada onto the ramp to just enormous boos each time he did this from Osaka. Yoshihashi then worked over the knee of Sonata. Naito entered. It's a complete heel reaction for him. Goto was able to kick away to avoid the paradise lock. And you had Okada return to the ring. He catches Naito flying off the ropes and ducks a rainmaker. Okada then caught him, landed a belly-to-back neckbreaker. And as we continued here... Okada just ran wild. He hit this top rope elbow drop three quarters of the way across the ring. This was after, uh, then he hit the Rainmaker pose. Naito ran into a tombstone and then Okada landed the Rainmaker pinning Bushi and he just stared down Naito with his, uh, doing the eye gesture of Naito's as he pinned Bushi, his teammate, and just stared over Naito afterwards with the title. 12.07, I thought the, the Naito-Okada stuff was really great and that's going to be a phenomenal match. This is when they then announced their return for Long Beach, California, which is going to be March 25th at the Walter Pyramid. And the show is called Strong Style Evolved. And this time they're running a 5,000 seat building. So bigger than the uh, Long Beach Convention Center. Uh, Minoru Suzuki against Toru Yano. This was a bull rope match for the, for the never openweight title. And Yano attacked before the bull rope is even tied to his wrist. There was some comedy in this. Uh, they fought on the ramp. Suzuki goes for the gotch pile driver, and Yano got out of the way. And this was a pinfall would end this with the two just tied together by the wrist. And all the members of Suzuki Gun got involved in this, and there was tons of interference here. Suzuki gets an arm bar applied inside the ring. Yano gets out, and then Suzuki's... Uh, he gets the rope around Suzuki's throat and starts choking him. This is when Takeshi Azuka comes down to the ring and Suzuki attacks Yano with a chair. The referee is trying to stop Yano from using the chair. Anyway, uh, 
At the end here, Suzuki is able to pull Yano by the rope into the exposed buckle. He hog ties Yano, spins him out, drop kicks him, and applies the rear naked choke, and finally lifts him up for a delayed gotch bile driver. He just held him in the air forever before finally hitting it and won the match in 1522. This was probably the worst match on the card. It went really long. There was a lot of interference throughout it, and I mean, it was just longer than it needed to be. Uh, Will Ospreay and Marty Skrull for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. Uh, this saw Skrull working over the left arm. Uh, they were changing words and slaps, and it just escalated into this huge flurry, and it ended with Ospreay hitting this uppercut, and then Skrull chopped him in the throat. Afterwards, Osprey came back. He hit the space-flying tiger drop and landed on his feet with Skrull getting out of the way and followed with a tornado DDT. Uh, Skrull did the snapping fingers spot. He went for the chicken wing and he pulls Osprey by the broken finger to avoid the rope break. And then Skrull's draped on the top and Osprey snaps his finger back into place in order to continue. Osprey hit a shooting star to Skrull who was still draped on the top. And goes for the os cutter, but is caught with the chicken wing. So Osprey flips over top and then scurls out and rolls up Osprey for the cover, winning in 17 and a half minutes. A tremendous match between these two. And the story is that Osprey can't beat Marty Skrull. And Osprey has lost the title after winning it just last month from Kushida. So then we had the challenges where Kushida entered the ring. And Osprey's disputing the finish. Kushida gets on the microphone and says, I want to challenge you, motherfucker. And Osprey tells him to take his DeLorean and get to the back of the line and calls him a motherfucker. Osprey then makes a challenge to Skrull. And then Hiromu Takahashi comes out. And for the last two major shows, he's gotten into the ring and he was punched out and he's gotten knocked out each time. And for this one, he puts on a helmet and his gloves so <laughs> to avoid the finger snap and to avoid the knockout punch. So he had these these like mitts on and like a catcher's mask on to avoid getting knocked out. Anyway, it ends with Skrull agreeing to face all of them in a rare fatal four-way match for Wrestle Kingdom. So that should be pretty great. Second from the top was Kenny Omega and Beretta for the IWGP US title. This was an outstanding match. I would highly recommend... I would recommend the Osprey Skrull match. I would also recommend this as well. This was a really loaded card. So one of Beretta's, uh, I would say maybe his best match in New Japan. Uh, this was tremendous. Omega set up a table, put it on top of Beretta, and then did a double foot stomp off the apron to the table. And then he kicked a hole through the table. He lifted the table. And you've got to picture Kenny Omega doing a crazy impression of jack nicholson from the shining as he's staring through the broken table like the here's johnny yeah moment this was just such a great visual it looked like it was just awesome he did the terminator dive to the floor and then he started working the lower back of beretta who eventually fought back he did a double underhook into a sit-out pile driver basically a j driller for a near fall beretta then went for a somersault dive to the floor, misses Omega and goes through a table that was draped across the barricade. He got in at the count of 19. Omega hit him with three straight snap dragon suplexes, hit the Dr. Wily bomb for a two count, then hit him with V triggers. 
Beretta was able to catch Omega with this crazy looking dude buster as he compacted the neck of Omega. Omega kicked out of that, hit a high knee, reverse Rana, a V trigger, and finally the one winged angel for the win at 21 minutes and 35 seconds. Just an incredible, incredible match from these two. So Omega then gets on the microphone and he speaks in Japanese. And he's stating no one has the guts to face him. He's beaten everyone. He's cleared out New Japan. There's no one left. And then the lights go out. And we get the countdown. And we get pretty much verbatim of Chris Jericho's like entrance video from his first WWF appearance in Chicago. And Chris Jericho appears on the screen. The place goes insane. Kevin Kelly and Don Callis go insane. And he's holding a photo of Kenny Omega. He says that Kenny Omega is a tremendous and dynamic performer, but he isn't the best in the world. He tears up the photo. He says others such as Shawn Michaels, Edge, and CM Punk have claimed to be the best in the world, but they're all gone. He's still here. He's the best in the world. The alpha of this business. And he challenges Omega. Alpha versus Omega, January 4th at Wrestle Kingdom. So let's see who's really the best, bitch. And Omega is in the ring and accepts as the announcers are going crazy. And this was the big story of Power Struggle Way. Chris mm-hmm. Jericho is going to work the Tokyo Dome January 4th. Was not under contract any longer with WWE. Was free to do this. And this is going to be a huge match. Huge match internationally. Now, yeah. if there were any complaints from hardcores it was the fact that they were really set on omega kota Ibushi. but mm-hmm. i think this is a bigger business match you can get to kota Ibushi down the road and i i'm really high on what they can do in the tokyo dome like they i talked to a few people on monday who you know i was saying can this thing do forty five thousand paid and maybe that's a little too high to expect yeah. but i think this show is going to do really well how much does Chris Jericho mean in Japan? I think he means a lot, but not because of his New Japan background. I think because of his WWE star power. Hmm. I mean, he's an enormous star in Japan. And he's got that background, which I think endears him to this audience. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's only worked one Tokyo Dome match in his life, and it was as Super Liger. So that's kind wow. of interesting, the fact that he'll... I mean, this was a guy that had said he would never wrestle in another ring than WWE through the rest of his career. So obviously, this was something he wanted to do. It's the opponent to do it with. And the expectation of Kenny Omega at Wrestle Kingdom, I mean, that's a that's the highest standard in wrestling for a wrestling match right now. It is a huge bar for somebody of Chris Jericho's age to try to step up to. I think it's the highest bar in wrestling. Yeah, Be like sure. Omega, Ricochet, like that's... The yeah, top level Okada. match. Um, but I think creatively, Jericho sees what's hot out there right now. And hopefully, the they'll get some time to build some type of story off of Twitter. You know, and on camera leading up to the match. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's going to have a ton of buzz. I mm-hmm. think that already there were a ton of people flying to this show. I think this is going to increase it like it's strategically i think it's really smart with their expansion to north america i mean i don't know if you're gonna find a bigger crossover star outside of a cm punk or a daniel bryan than a chris jericho to fill a spot like this um you have the winnipeg rivalry as well 
Um, but you also have an, a guy with like incredible internet presence and you know great influence and i think a lot of people who are probably hearing all this buzz about new japan might be watching their first tokyo dome show because of this match yeah can you see people that for all these maybe they watch that this would be the impetus to buy new japan world yes absolutely i think it could be too i think this is a this is an incredible coup for new japan i mean that's a lot more than a kenny omega koto bushi match would do Business-wise. I agree. I think you're definitely, like, your base would be losing their mind. I think it'd be, I think it would be an unbelievable match. We're going to get into Kota Ibushi in the next, in the main event. So, do you think that that this would have any bearing on whether or not Kenny would stay another year in New Japan? I mean... The lack of that Kota Ibushi main event at Wrestle Kingdom, you know, or... No, I guess who knows what else. I guess they'd... I'll, I'll say right now, last year at this time... I would say I was maybe 70% sure Omega would stick around. This year, I'm like 90% sure. Mm-hmm. I just can't see this guy leaving. Um, and, hmm. and yeah, with that match, with a lot on the table. Like, he is the biggest... The Cody match that he's, haven't done? He, outside of... Like, he's one of the biggest draws, period, in yeah. the industry at this point, where you can go to Ring of Honor... Oh, my God. He's, and, he's got the Cody match. He's got another with Okada if he wanted. Yep. All these matches. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, you could do another match with Tanahashi down the road. I mean, there's there's a lot for Omega, and I just think it's a lot on him. Like, I know this guy feels that pressure mm. in these big matches that he has to deliver. Like, this Beretta match is probably going to get one, one-tenth, one-percent maybe of the matches Omega's had this year in comparison mm. to the Okada one. And this was, like, an incredible match. This is an incredible match that him and Trent Beretta had. It's really interesting to see what effects somebody on the caliber of a Jericho going to New Japan has on other people in North America that aren't necessarily tied up in WWE contracts but have the freedom to go ahead and... How many people would ask for a Jericho deal so that they can go back and forth? And do you think that this could be more than a one-off for, for Jericho? We'll see. I mean, it's a lot of travel like that. Jericho's a very busy guy in general. I don't think he'll permanently become a, a New Japan uh, roster member. Who else? Uh, you wouldn't want him, though, for every major no. show mm-hmm. or a tour, even. Like, it, to, this guy, to get... If they could get... This reminded me a lot of, like, Hulk Hogan going to New Japan, where right. he wasn't under contract. I mean, it wasn't like, um, you know, he was free to go, and he did. Mm-hmm. And What's another matchup you'd like to see of the roster versus Chris Jericho? For Jericho... There's definitely, I, I would love to see Okada in Jericho. I mm-hmm. think that'd be great. I'd love to see Tanahashi in Jericho. Mm-hmm. I don't know why this comes to mind. I feel Chris Jericho and Togi Makabe would just be something. But like, there's a ton mm-hmm. of fun matches I could come up with hmm. in, in my mind at the moment. Um, hmm. I mean, not necessarily that he'd be a junior heavyweight, but him and Kushi, like, there's you could have a ton of they're all just fresh matches Definitely. and matches you never thought of until today yeah. that could even be possible yeah Daniel Bryan must be so jealous oh I mean a year from now yeah this could be him in that spot mm-hmm. this could totally be him in the spot in a year from now so that was the big angle on the show and then we followed it with way I I watched this main event with Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kota Bushi. You're about to cry, it looks like. Dude. You okay? You need this match. This was easy. Top five of the best matches I've seen this year. And this might be top three. 
I thought that. Well, let's go through the first match, and then was I'm, it good I'm, enough to be the best? It's not my match of the year. In any uh, this, I could argue, is as good as any match of the year candidate of the last decade. Okay, that's how good th- I thought this was. Except this year. This year is crazy. Like this year <laughs> is just the year that the number ten match could probably be a match of the year mm. in other years of the past ten or fifteen. The crowd is just going nuts for Tanahashi at the start of this. And the story is that Kota Bushi has always looked up to Tanahashi. And if he can beat him for the title, he can prove that he belongs in this top mix. Tanahashi, and this was set up in the G1 with Ibushi getting his win over Tanahashi in a non-title match in the tournament. So Tanahashi attacks the right knee uses using a dragon screw. And they explain how Tanahashi's had to adjust his offense and attack this year because of his torn bicep. So they fight on the floor. Abushi's knee gives out and he collapses to the floor. And his selling, unbelievable. Like this, his selling of the knee was awesome. He gets out of the way. And I would nine times out of 10 criticize this spot. He goes for a standing moonsault. The way he did it, it was just like Tanahashi messed up timing wise. And he just instinctually went for this go-to move. And as soon as he landed it, the knee gives out and he realizes fuck, I can't do this. Hmm. It was just timed so well. Uh, Tanahashi went for another seated drop kick, and Abushi did that leap into the air, coming down with a double foot stomp. Uh, Abushi did hit the golden triangle, and then Tanahashi locked on the t- the Texas Cloverleaf, and he's just arching back. Uh, Abushi's able to get out. Uh, his bad knee is just continually beaten down by Tanahashi. Tanahashi hits a high fly flow to the floor, and it just looked incredible. Lands a sling blade, climbs to the top, and then gets nailed with a Pele kick. There's a springboard into a Super Frankensteiner, but Tanahashi's legs get caught in the ropes, and Abushi still finished the move, hitting the Frankensteiner. Then Tanahashi blocks the Kamagoye, where he grabs the wrists and goes for the, the knee to the face, and he does this by crossing Abushi's arm so he can't deliver the knee. Abushi then lawn darts Tanahashi into the middle turnbuckle. This spot has got to go. He just drives Tanahashi at this crazy speed. It's like watching a crash test dummy go head first into the, the corner. And you just see his neck compress. It looked horrendous. Abushi landed his big power German off the middle rope after teasing it earlier. He then missed with a Phoenix splash. Then Tanahashi missed with a high fly flow. Tanahashi repeatedly slaps him down. Abushi stands up to Tanahashi, the man he looks up to, and strikes back. And they have this crazy striking battle. Tanahashi slaps the hell out of Abushi, then kills Tanahashi with a big lariat in response. Hit a last ride power bomb for a two count, and then Abushi lifts him up. The knee gives out. Tanahashi hits three twist and shouts, and then Abushi is up with a head kick. The Kamagoye is sidestepped by Tanahashi, who hits a sling blade, bridging dragon suplex, and then he climbs to the top. The place is erupting as he hits a high fly flow to the back, a regular high fly flow, and pins Abushi in 29-27. After the match, Abushi breaks down in tears. Tanahashi comes to console him, and Abushi just hugs Tanahashi. And Tanahashi addresses Abushi. He addresses the audience, and then the lights go out. And for for months, they've been, well, for at least two months, they've been teasing this character Switchblade. 
and it's revealed to be Jay White. And this video, the production on this was incredible. He walks out, he's all in leather, he confronts Tanahashi, he says he's going to take the title, and then White hits him with the shell shock, which was Alex Shelley's old move, which was Jay White's first opponent in New Japan, and he says at Wrestle Kingdom, your kingdom is mine. And that's how the show ended. This match was unbelievable. This was one of the best matches of 2017. I encourage all of you to see it. This was such an incredible show. This is the recap. Your recap alone was like I'm out of breath. Five stars. Water now. Holy shit! Wow. Cool, man. Good show. A lot of news that came out of it. They set up all these angles. They've got six matches that are now official. Uh, They've also announced Cody and Kota Bushi. So, um, I guess like they kind of had Omega Bushi. I guess maybe on the back burner and. That's who Abushi's now going to face once they finalize Jericho for Omega. So hmm. um, those are among the matches they have set up. And um, they also did a challenge on the show with the Bucks challenging Sho and Yo with uh, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Title match. So that's who the Bucks have, Tanaka and Kamatsu. That should be excellent. So hmm. a lot of great stuff. That Tokyo Dome show is going to be incredible on January 4th. I don't know where I'm going to watch it right now. I'd love to watch it. With who are you going to watch it with? I'd love to watch it with people. I think that'd be a lot of really? fun. Yeah. Where, is there like a party or something that you can go We'll to? see. We'll see where things go. Eh? Oh. I don't have to work the next day. So. Maybe in my basement right here. Wait, this would be a wonderful place to, place to have everyone over. Party. We can invite everyone over. Uh, uh, let me ask my dad first. Oh, he'd be yeah. invited, of course. Yeah. He'd want to see Jericho and Omega. Yeah, I think so. Um, we've gone super long, but uh, quickly, uh, we don't have to talk about all the fights or anything. UFC 217 was incredible. It was the best UFC of the year. I felt so spoiled. Like, this weekend was awesome. Between Power Struggle and UFC, I was like, this this is the greatest. This is the greatest weekend ever. These, these two shows were incredible. Yeah. Um, what were... Uh, first of all, uh, just... What I, was your biggest standout of UFC 217? To me, I mean... Those three title fights were I, unreal. For me... Each one was better than the last. It had been a long time for me watching a UFC and getting a real holy shit moment. And uh, I hadn't felt that way in a long time. But I did feel it when uh, I saw Rose Namayunis defeat Joanna Jacek. I mean, it and, was... And it happened at... This was crazy. It ended at 3.03 of the first round, and she trains at the 3.03 training center in Colorado. Like, How, how did you even grab that? She that? mentioned in an interview. She was on Ariel Hawani's show Jesus. today, I, and I didn't realize that. Wow. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, anytime you have a story of somebody who really is not expected at all to win, go out there. She was and, a massive underdog. And defeat, I mean, somebody who had never been beaten before, somebody, you know, close to like a... An Anderson Silva, Demetrius Johnson level of unbeatableness, unbeatability. She was going to to tie Ronda Rousey's title defense record mm-hmm. if she had won. Yeah, that was remarkable, and uh, I enjoyed that, and I enjoyed all the all the entire main oh, card. TJ Dillashaw and Cody Garbrandt. I could watch that fight ten more times. I loved that fight. It was incredible. Um, I this card was so great. I did. I did. I got all three title fights wrong in my picks, but I didn't care yeah. at all. It was such a great card. Hmm. And then, even George and B- Bisping, like that was. I don't like George at one eighty five. I think he should definitely. I don't, th- be I don't think George likes George at one eighty five. I don't think he just didn't seem like he was like Robert Whitaker will m- create 
a lot of problems for that guy. I don't see, I do not want to see that fight. I don't see George taking that fight. I don't think he should. Like what does, I I dude, I don't think Tyron Woodley is stylistically a good fight for George, but at you, least that's a much more logical fight for George. I want to see George at 170. What would you do for George? I I would still do the Woodley, Woodley fight. fight. I don't think you can give him a champion versus champion. I think so? Yeah, I think so too. I think I think Whitaker is the middleweight champion and he's on he's the undisputed champion. I don't think George mm-hmm. fights a one eighty five again. Yeah. Um just to me. Um you you just know like that was against Michael Bisping. And Bisping was winning that fight up until uh he wasn't. Mm. And I, I think had that fight continued, I, I think that Bisping would have won that fight. But hey, George, that was an incredible like so wait knocking him down getting the submission like George that was an incredible performance in that third mm-hmm. round and he looked great in the first he's great one round at 185 pounds but you could see in the second the limitations he's going to have at middleweight especially against a killer mm. like Robert Whitaker that's a lot for a body to handle though you know going up and down weight losing and muscle muscle mass that and- was and he was the biggest advocate of that of yeah. not yeah. Messing around with your weight like that. And he was a tank. Yeah. He was bigger than Bisping in the fight. I suppose you have to at some level. You can't just go in kind of undersized. and He no, wouldn't have had that power. But I, I never thought... I thought Bisping would just... But it's just, not his optimal weight. No, no, no. It's just it's just too much. Like, this guy, he has a perfect weight class for yeah. him. And it's 170. Hmm. So, so, great card. Great weekend of uh, power struggle and UFC 217. Is that it for us? Is there anything else? We're going to be back on Tuesday, uh, Wednesday. We're going to be back on Wednesday. Wednesday, yes. Yes, right, with yeah. uh, our review of SmackDown. And uh, Tuesday night is the premiere of ESPN's 30 for 30 documentary on Ric Flair. I've had a chance to see the documentary, so I'll have a review of that um, as well for Wednesday's show. Um, so why don't we just do a quick refresher for those that, well... You've already done a tremendous job finding our show, but where are we at, Way? Where is... Uh... So for the time being, while we are in our, in our transitional phase, a lot of people are asking us about iTunes and whatnot. Uh, we are working on that, and I think we'll have something to announce pretty shortly. But for now, for this week at least, uh, please go to, thanks to our good friend Robert, who is staying up just to upload this show. Oh my goodness. Let me remind you. He'll probably hate that I'm saying that, by the way. But... Do go to John and Way W A I the number four dot life John and Way four dot life, and you can check out all of our shows. The two from last week, you'll get SmackDown as well. And if you click on the little side panel, you can even get an RSS feed. And a lot of you have been asking about iTunes. Well, you can even include this XML feed in your iTunes perfect thing and you should be able to listen to it uh there might be some issues here and there it's maybe not not perfect i, I believe Robert... guys this is the fun this is the fun you're gonna listen <laughs> back to this either way um you can download the show from there you can stream it you can do whatever just uh just uh enjoy it okay come on can you hear that it's d'artagnan and he's growing he's growing way who? Dart. The fuck are you talking about? Speak with you on Wednesday. Is that a Stranger Things? Remember I made that joke last week about Dart? We're like Dart in episode one and we're going to grow. I don't even know. Is that a Stranger it's Things? It's from Stranger Things. Oh.